Hello and welcome to Once Upon a Roll, a D&D podcast hosted by me, Rasputin, where I run one shots for one player at a time in the land of Cortia, a setting I've been using for the past a lot of years now. I've been playing D&D a while. Cool. <laughs> this show is made possible by Patreon. And if you're interested in helping support the show, you could check out Once Upon a Roll at Patreon and get cool things like episodes a week early and access to a post show where I talk about the episode with the guest. Thank you to everyone supporting there and if you're not give it a look anyway it's time for the main show and i'm joined with a fantastic guest a returning guest mitchell kramer also known as heavy-eyed and your name's not actually mitchell but mitch how are you doing today hello my name is actually mitchell is it is your full name mitchell it is yeah oh you're like the only person that calls me that oh i thought that that was just a me thing no <laughs> i so i just always assumed it wasn't it's you and my mom when I'm in trouble. They're the only like only times we get called Mitchell. <laughs> wow, I've I've learned something new today. I thought I was just being. I mean, I was being annoying, but I thought I was just being like especially annoying. You know? No, it's there. I got a long ass name. But I was being annoying and accurate. <laughs> Mitch, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Got my coffee. God, it's been a minute since I was on here though, right? It has been actual years. Yeah. Dang. It has been multiple states for me. I have I have moved multiple times. Yeah, so have I. Uh, since we last recorded, yeah. I've gone from one end of the island to the other. <laughs> so that's like what, ten minutes or Okay, okay. It's ten hours. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Mitch, you have been on an episode before. You played a uh character named Flane, who you will not be playing today. You will not be reprising that role. You will no. be jumping into a new one. Yep. Usually I ask, what's your experience with D&D? Obviously, you've been on the show and I know your experience, but Once Upon a Roll is a show that you can really jump in at any point. So for any new people, I, what, let's go over it. What's, uh, what's your D&D experience like? Before you, know, you and I and the group had our, our game that lasted for ages, mm -hmm. I had played about three sessions before that. And that was, when did we start that? That was, what, 2017? Probably. I think, yeah. So that's when I started playing D&D. Because I've been saying four years typically, but then I forgot like how long I've actually been running it. So I've just <laughs> said a long time now. I think it's been four years. Though. So I think 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't like that long in the course of things, right? Like obviously plenty of people have been playing D&D for 10, 20, 40 years, you know? Yeah. But it does feel like in some ways, like just yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I still think about like the early sessions, but yeah. So that was the start. Basically, I started two campaigns at the same time in 2017. One was a podcast, and then I moved cities, and I had to stop being on it. But because our game is so international, or was so international, we could just do it wherever, because me moving didn't matter to it. And I think I like to take a little bit of credit for helping you come up with the idea of Once Upon a Roll with my dumb character who had an idea. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, actually, 100%. <laughs> I forgot about this. I can't remember if we talked about this in the last one, but we'll, we'll talk about it here. Well, you were doing a podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Where you talked about D&D &D, and then we ran a one shot for that. Yeah. And I was like, this is a cool format. <laughs> uh, and, and I think originally that was going to be one of the first episodes of Once Upon a Roll, but the audio has been lost. I think I think both of us lost our audio yeah. <laughs> for it, unfortunately. But yeah, it was it was like an adventure for your character in our campaign, but taking place long before they kind of became the character that they were in that game. Yeah. Was that the first one? Because I was actually thinking of 
the thing I did secret from the potty. Oh, I guess I guess that's the yeah. I mean, we we would do like small one-on-one things within the main campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what really made me think like it could work as a podcast was us doing that like longer sort yeah. of one shot. Cuz I mean, the cool thing that you and I would do a lot cuz you had your character had a lot of like sly things away from the party, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I would sometimes just do small little sessions over like text you know yeah. like sometimes we jump into a call and do it but then sometimes we just do little mini adventures through text yeah which was fun to kind of have the multiple mediums to ex- explore your character yeah it was, it was a lot of fun to like do some stuff away from the party and come back with all these like little secret things to mm-hmm. use and unleash on the party it sounds like i was a very sneaky and smart character but is the opposite no <laughs> I think the style of your character was more that like he just didn't care or understand that he should be telling people like yeah. what he's doing opposed to like <laughs> maliciously doing it, you know, the rogue who's going off and stealing from a baron every night or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good, though. Um, learning to play that character really helped me I don't know, just understand why people love Dungeons and Dragons a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that obviously that campaign in general is what the world of Cortia really started as or grew from. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, everything I know about <laughs> uh, being a DM, well, I mean, obviously a lot came from watching stuff and talking to other DMs and whatnot. But yeah, that was that was my, those early sessions especially were very formative and watching the characters grow and seeing, seeing uh, what all the players latched onto yeah. was very interesting for me to be like, oh, okay, this is what I need to push and how I need to push it always the random npc that you never thought about <laughs> <laughs> yep who, who doesn't have a name and then becomes like a main character mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but anyway we're we're not here to talk about the past we're here to play dungeons and dragons today with a fresh new character and uh that's the sentence <laughs> i can't wait how might people know you on the internet by the way who oh. maybe didn't watch the first episode and that's i usually start with that that's the first question I'm supposed to ask. Right. I mean, I know that because I've listened to the podcast a lot. I make YouTube video essay kind of analytical things about video games, um, why we play them, a lot of industry things like environmental impacts and some social stuff as well under Heavy Eyed. The channel is Heavy Eyed. Check it out. Steve and I, Wizwet, who's been a guest on here too, like uh, we're all in the same sphere of like vibes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, if you like my stuff, if you like Steve's stuff, you know, if you like the video essay stuff, you'll uh, love Mitch's stuff as well. And if you like weird accents. Yeah, if you like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to make fun of New Zealand accents. It's a good accent. <laughs> anyway, before I make an entire country hate me, let's jump into this episode of Once Upon a Roll. The kingdom of Cortia has thrived for over a thousand years. In that time, it has endured war against powerful enemies, outlasted deadly feuds between its lords, and fought against evil, both of this plane and others. However, during the most recent festival of the autumn sun, the sage's ritual revealed a nearly forgotten omen, the sign of Black Sun, a symbol only seen once before, and it almost led to the destruction of Cortia. Panicked, the common folk in the capital city rioted, and when the dust settled, the king was dead, and his two children had disappeared in the night. The lord of the city of Edgewood, Tom Dunn, restored peace to the capital, and with no heirs of the king anywhere to be seen, he decided to sit the throne and take the position of Lord Regent. 
This story takes place a few weeks after the Festival of the Autumn Sun, and a couple hundred miles to the north, just outside the city of South Fariff. A little under a year ago, after graduating from the Venshire Academy, you sailed all the way from the great city of Malison and took up a post near Edgewood, looking to sell your services as a mercenary. It was there that you caught the attention of one Barden Dunn, the Lord of Edgewood's younger brother, who was in need of a bodyguard for his drunken late-night ventures into town. Over that time, you kept him from getting into fights, being robbed, and selling the Dunn name too badly. However, after his brother became Lord Regent, because of the king's death, and the disappearance of the prince and princess, Barden's responsibilities changed, which meant yours did as well. Thus, being in South Fariff. Barden was sent there by his brother to convince the dwarven lord, Gorsteg Stormen, to swear fealty to him. As whispers of South Fariff seceding from Cortia were beginning to spread. So for Barden, this meant many negotiations with Gorstag. For you, it has mostly meant standing around, looking like someone who you should not fuck with. Can you describe what you look like as you are standing in this position, maybe outside of a meeting, <laughs> looking like you shouldn't be fucked with? He is a very tall, built half-orc, kind of greenish, both physically and metaphorically, that's the word I was looking for. He definitely is not someone you would want to fight, but you can also tell he's a bit fresh and very clean armor, big tusks coming out from his bottom jaw, two big ones, and just a menacing scowl on his face, big brown eyes and a top knot mm -hmm. with shaved sides of his head. Yeah, greenish, you know, you're right. That is the best way to put it all around. Do you have, you know, been doing work with Barden for a little while? But the work has been well paid, which you certainly appreciate, but definitely cushy. Not many people want to mess too much with someone related to a lord because doing so often ends up badly <laughs> for mm -hmm. them. And also, you know, you you have mostly been there more for presence, right, than your actual abilities. Yeah, I was going to say, he's just big. <laughs> yeah. Just a looming figure. Just a big guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Currently, where you are holding this post, you are standing in front of the camp entrance of where the Duns have set up, which is just outside the storm gate of South Fariff. So just a little bit outside of the city. You have not been staying inside proper, but have, you know, been walking with Barden as he's taken various meetings. As you currently stand there, you hear footsteps coming from behind. From behind. So turn around, turn my head, sorry, and see to get a look. Yeah, as you look, you see kind of sauntering over is a man named Dallard, who is one of the men from the castle guard. It seems like been traveling with Barden as, as he's been set off to do some negotiating work for Tom. And based on every interaction you've had with Dallard so far, you would describe him as a right bastard. He glares at you a bit as he walks up and uh, spits on the ground at your feet. As he does that, you know that thing when people like put their shoulders up and just like fake people out with a like a real quick jolt towards someone and mm -hmm. attempt to intimidate them? Yeah, that's what I want to do. All right, like like a you thought, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, roll an intimidation check. That is a nineteen. Nineteen. <laughs> he spits on the ground and looks up at you, like you know. 
obviously trying to have the power in the situation and make you feel a little bad. Then you kind of jolt forward, just like the hint of a lean, you yeah. know, that you can probably even like turn into just like turning your shoulders towards him. Right. <laughs> and as soon as you do that, he like takes a step back, kind of jolts back, grimaces in he like even more at you. Like <laughs> notice that he jumped a bit as, as you did that. I just go back to the neutral guard pose without any, you know, change or looking at him. Barden wants to see you. Okay. Why didn't you just say that instead of whatever? Okay. And I'll make my way to go see Barden. Yeah. As you walk by him, he looks like he wants to say something to you, you know, but after like <laughs> you scaring him a bit, you know, like <laughs> he, he, he seems to kind of just bite his tongue and it's like a... Uh, grumbles as you as you walk away not gonna look back <laughs> in general you have found a fair bit of especially on this trip traveling from edgewood to south Fairf with with the guard definitely a fair bit of resentment from them towards you as as you are not from cortia mm -hmm. and i think a lot of them feel maybe some of the duties you've been given should have been given to people who have been loyal to the Dunn service for a long while. So you're treated like you definitely have gotten a fair bit of flack from many in the Dunn guard. The jealous types. Yeah. Blister, his name is Blister, is not phased by anything like that. He just wants to get money, just get his money and just do whatever he has to do to do that. Yeah. You head towards the tent that you know is uh, the one that Barden has been staying in. Outside are two Dun guards who give you similar looks. They don't seem to maybe hold as much resentment as Dallard does. Uh, who you, I mean, you you would know that Dallard is the highest ranking uh, of, of the Dun guards who have been traveling with you all. So you imagine some of the anger comes from that, like him mm -hmm. thinking he should be the one that's getting to be the personal bodyguard sort of stuff. The others don't seem to like you, though. <laughs> but they don't spit at you. They don't, you know, they, they don't stop you. They let you walk into <laughs> the tent. The tent itself is very comfortable inside. It seems like a fair amount of creature comforts were brought along in order to ease Barden's trip. Uh, there's a big oak table in the center of this tent and and you see a feather bed in the back that definitely is not what you would normally associate with a trip like this and on various things that you've done in the past definitely nothing this nice or comfortable standing at the table kind of looking down is who you know to be barden dunn um man in early mid 30s messy hair a slight gut that you can tell probably comes from a lot of the wine he's been drinking, which he has a glass of right next to a sheet of paper that he's looking at. And he takes a sip and then looks up at you and sets it down and smiles. Blister, good to see you. And you can take a seat. Good to see you too. As I walked in, I would have been doing the formal guard attention um, and then relieve and sit down. Okay. W would you like some wine? Uh, mm, what time of day is it? Uh, it's like before afternoon. It's like 11 a.m. probably. Okay, yeah. Uh, bit too early for me, but have at it. He's like holding a little flagon, you know, in an empty cup and then just pours it into his and takes a sip. He kind of rubs right above his eye and takes a seat and like, he, he like leans back a fair bit, kind of letting off some of the tension it seems like he's been carrying and gives out a sigh. So, um... You want to take on a job? I mean, 
I'm always ready to take on a job. What have you got in mind? He shuffles through a few papers uh, on, on the desk and pulls them out. Since the festival, there have been rumors that the princess, Ava, had been kidnapped um, and that her kidnappers have been heading north. There's been a few sightings throughout that time and uh, my brother has been doing what he can to find her and rescue her. A few days ago, though, the rumors have increased and more and more reports of her whereabouts have come up and they're all across Cortia. I think I've heard of 20 different spots of where she is within the kingdom, which doesn't make much sense as most people are only in one place at one time and this is all new and how it's going. So I don't fully know what has happened or why all these rumors have started out of nowhere. My guess would be that her captors in some capacity have done something to try to throw people off the scent. Okay. Whereabouts uh, north have you heard mainly these rumors? Which is the most common one? Well, I mean, for, for a while there seemed to be a trail of them moving towards Pinst, which is to the south, and then up towards here in South Fariff, and that's where I've heard of things last. But now there are rumors of her in Tiport, and rumors of her in Lens, just everywhere. Anywhere in Cortia, there is now a rumor of it. To me, my assumption would be that her kidnappers are taking her all the way north to Valia. That's where her uncle lives. Her uncle is the lord of Valia. So maybe they are trying to ransom her to him, or... Maybe he hired the kidnappers to bring her to him for some reason. I don't fully know. I'll be honest. And he kind of leans forward and takes a deep breath. It doesn't make sense. Most of it doesn't make sense to me. And I want you to try to figure something out. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not really understanding how so many people can be, or how she can be in so many places at so many different times. But do we know anything about the kidnappers? Uh, he pulls out a piece of parchment and pushes it over and you see, you know, a fair amount of or six essentially headshots all drawn out. You see a human man with a well-kept goatee, a dragonborn with white scales, you see a half-elf with long red hair, a tiefling with a, a, a scar across her face. You see a blue-skinned, almost looking like a human, but not quite. And then you see a half-elf man who, handsome-looking with a shit-eating grin on his face. What a, what a weird bunch. What a weird bunch. <laughs> and these are the ones who kidnapped the princess. That's what it would seem. My brother says that they were all spotted at the Festival of the Autumn Sun before... The sign of Black Sun came up and before the riots started. Hey, they don't look like too bothersome. Um, I imagine you more want me to get information about her whereabouts. Well, that's what matters the most. Um, one of the places that came up is relatively close to here, a few days ride. And I mostly just want you to go check it out. I will be honest, she's not going to be there. Whatever is happening is some sort of way to try to lead people in the wrong direction in their efforts to find her yeah. but there may be some answers there yeah i will say it almost certainly is a trap there almost certainly is a trap there in in some <laughs> regards so i need you on your best attention don't die he gives a little smile uh, you know me i would never 
so it's just going to be me. And do you have anything I could wear to make me look... I mean, I'm quite big, but... So I stand out. But anything that I could wear that would not make me stand out and sort of blend in. I mean, I'm sure we could get a cloak for you. In general, he gives a sigh again and leans forward almost like uh, conspiratorially. The thing to remember for this is who you are working for and who you have worked for since you've made your way to Gortia. You don't work for the Duns. You don't work for my brother. You work for me. Yes. So anything you do find out, I, I want that only to be brought back to me. Of course, of course. I can do that. I want you to do what you can to make any ties to me be unknown. Of course. I'll be discreet. He gives a nod. So I can give you some clothing uh, to not have anything tied to us and a cloak, I suppose. But no, I uh, I don't have anything. If you're, if you're saying something magical. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Just something less uniformy. Yes, we can give some things so it's not quite as obvious that you work for me. Perfect. Of course, sir. As long as it's paying, I'm doing it. He gives a nod. We can also give a horse um, a saddle to make the ride a little easier. That would be appreciated. He pulls out a little map and slides it forward. So, you will be heading to a village called Aftelforge. It is just outside of Melon to the east. And it seems from the rumors that the kidnappers have taken up camp in an abandoned outpost that used to be used by the Lord of Melon. So be careful when you're heading there. It's hard to know what to expect. I don't know if there are people who will actually be there. I don't know if it's just a location that these kidnappers are putting out there to try to throw folks off the scent, but just be wary. Uh, he gives a nod. I'll take the map. Blister, I appreciate you. I appreciate your discretion. I appreciate the opportunity to do good work. He nods. We may not still be here for all that much longer. There might be places that call for RA. It all depends on how these negotiations go with Gorstag and what my brother needs of me. But if I'm not here when you return, I'll have some sort of message to let you know where to head next. That sounds good. As long as you don't abandon me before you can pay me. Have I been late on a payment yet? Not once. He smiles and nods. If there's something I'm good at, it is paying people. So, there's that. I've noticed. (laughs) Barton leans back and just starts sipping his wine. You certainly have gotten the sense, like, from your time being around him, that he is kind of good at this stuff, but just, like, doesn't have the energy for it. (laughs) Yeah. The long-term energy for it. And, And it certainly has taken a toll on him because of that. Just being intelligent enough for it, but the burnout has hit him quickly. (laughs) (laughs) How full is his bottle of wine looking? You know, one-fourth full. (laughs) Before I head out, I'll say, um, you know, before I head out, maybe I could do with a drink. What's early morning wine, you know? He gives a nod. Blister, now you're understanding me, which is good. And he uh, pours you a glass and hands it over. Cheers. It's good work. Cheers. What kind of name is Blister anyway? Well, you see, when you join the Academy and when you leave it, you're given a name. So there's no ties to my real family. Um, and Blister is the one I chose. Mm. It's not 
the name I was born with, but it's the name I gave myself for this life. Roll an insight check. 17. As you look at him and you kind of say that, you spent enough time with him to know his general tendencies. And you can kind of tell that like he, he opens his mouth like halfway as if to say something and, and kind of with a look on his face that you assume this is when he normally would insert some sort of pithy comment <laughs> about, you know, your academy, probably something negative towards it. But then he just kind of leans back and decides against it in this moment and sips his wine. Oh, just... Ignore it and keep sipping. I'm glad that you sailed all the way from Malison to be here. I hear it's quite a city. It is. Some would say too much of a city, but I'm just glad to be somewhere a little more open. It's good to have the wide open fields again. Mm, I can agree with that. It's the first time I've been out of Edgewood Forest in a long while, which mm. beautiful place, but it can feel a little crowded. Yeah. There's something about open fields and mountain ranges that are quite nice yeah uh you know makes me feel at home so i appreciate just being able to sit and look at things not feel claustrophobic so were you not born in malison i was not i was shipped uh, not shipped there but sent off there young to learn the ways at the academy hmm. well, hopefully all that can come into use now for this hopefully it's what i spent a long time training for and I have appreciated the opportunity to see that I'm actually good at what I can do. He gives a little nod. Yes. Opportunity, it's it's something. And it does just feel good to be on the right. Even though I am money for hire, it feels good to be on the right side of whatever this conflict is. He takes another sip and you can see definitely like a little bit of flush in his face, like from, from the wine. <laughs> You know, Barden often has a mild buzz, but might be nearing a little bit more of drunk. Well, it's fortuitous that my brother was in the right place at the right time to be able to stabilize the city. Hopefully we can find the princess. I know that his plans are, if he can find her and rescue her from whatever situation she's in, is to aim to wed her and hopefully bring any conflict that's rising to arrest and... Be able to bring South Fareth under the way of Cortia again and keep the peace. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And whatever I can do to help that, even if it is just confirming that the princess isn't in a location, I feel like that's the right step. I'm sure you'll find something, even if it's just that. I'm going to take a nap, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, his eyes have been kind of drooping a bit. I'll just, like, put my wine down unfinished, maybe two, two or three sips. Mm. <laughs> just leave safe travels thank you sir i guess i have to go get my horse you know you've been given a horse in general to use not necessarily a horse that you own right but one that you've been riding for a while that you've shared a bond with and barden with like the little map he gave you there'd also be like a little writ essentially like saying to like the, the stable master who's traveling with that you can take the horse that you've been riding and it asks to like strip it of uh any dun insignias uh mostly of the swirling tree of the dun family there would also be like a note for like the outfitter right of mm -hmm. supply him with weaponry he needs and some cloaks that uh aren't emblazoned with dun stuff so i guess i'll spend the rest of the morning and early afternoon collecting all that stuff getting the horse being a, a mercenary, he would be fine getting supplies and stuff like that. He would know what to do, get some food, get a bedroll, mm -hmm. stuff to make fire with. 
while he travels. Yeah, so you talk to the people you need to talk to and go to, you know, your supplies. Barden would have offered you a tent. Okay. Have you been using it or? How big are the tents? (laughs) The tent that you had been provided would be mostly just to protect against weather. I would say yes, but feet out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think most of the other tents probably have been shared between at least like two uh, soldiers. Mm -hmm. But this one was just provided to you. Partly, (laughs) I think, because Barden likes you. And partly just like, yeah, functionally, (laughs) you're you're too tall and and probably too broad to (laughs) share this space with anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you are kind of packing up like your bedroll roll a perception check oh shit that's a 10 you hear the sound of footsteps about the same time that you uh hear dallard's voice where are you off to then uh just running a a minor errand for baden nothing uh that important but he he uh just wanted me to get get some wine yeah ran out so i'm just gonna make a little trip roll a deception check fuck (laughs) Ooh, that's a seven he looks at you and gives a long squint, clearly not buying <laughs> the story that he just needs wine. Okay. Well, we can get that for him. You can stay here. Why don't you just give us the directions to the place that he wanted to go and we'll grab it. Well, I work for Baden. I'm employed by him. He gives me his coins. So getting other people to do his work for him just feels like I'm not earning my keep. So... I would rather do it myself. Uh, well, I mean, some of the other boys. And as he says this, you know, kind of like coming up behind him, you know, some walking out from behind trees and just some walking towards you all. Mm-hmm. Total of five, including him. We've been talking and, you know, I don't know that you fit in so well with the rest of us here. Kind of been taking a lot of attention. Well, yeah, you're all puny. Puny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, it's stuff like that. That's the problem. You academy folk think you're a little better than the rest of us. You're fucking not. Well, I wouldn't say that I'm better. I just, I got picked for a job and there must be a reason I got picked for this job and other people didn't. It's not my fault. See, I think it exactly is your fault because if you weren't here, people far more deserving, people who've been in the service of the Duns for a long while would be getting these jobs. If they were more deserving, they would have got the job. He kind of like looks over to the other guys. Uh, roll an insight check. <laughs> that is a 20. Damn. Uh, <laughs> you, you can tell like that these other guys certainly are frustrated with maybe not getting attention that they wish they were getting or opportunities that they wish they were getting. But very clearly they are here because Dallard has been like pushing them to, you know, like they <laughs> seem a little more hesitant than him. Who's very gung ho about it. And he kind of turns to them. He's like, you hear that boys? We're not deserving. We've only given our lives to this family. I don't know exactly what you want from me right now. I do have a job to be doing. So if you're done throwing a little fit, uh, I would like to get on my way and continue doing that job. <laughs> throwing a little fit. Uh, he pulls back a fist and aims a punch at your face. <laughs> <laughs> do I have time to react? <laughs> I'm going to say he's kind of getting a cheap shot okay. in here. And then we'll do a proper initiative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
that is a 14 to hit. He does not hit. Yeah, so he pulls back and like makes solid contact with your chest, you know, but you have like armor covering it and you kind of like have you you one of the things you learned in the academy is how to take a punch to the gut, yeah. you know? <laughs> so you just kind of tensed in the right spot between your armor and the tense and you barely feel it at all. He kind of looks up and like looks to the guys behind him and gives like a nod towards you uh and they kind of take steps forward roll initiative all right that's a 17 on the init okay wow they all <laughs> three of them actually rolled fives oh my uh, God. like all the same and then one got a four <laughs> so that's interesting cool so you are up first dallard is right in front of you the others are probably like 10 feet away Serving really quickly, are they weapons drawn or are they just looking for a fist fight? Uh, none of them have weapons drawn at the moment. Okay, in which case I will not draw my weapon and I'm just going to punch Dalad in the face. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, roll the hit. There's an 18. 18 will hit. Hell yeah. Unless you have special things, which I don't believe you do, damage is just one plus your strength. Right, so there'll be... And it's my strength modifier. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a five. Five damage. Cool. Uh, yeah, you just punch back. Like, he gets that, like, punch to the gut and is, like, looking up. Uh, <laughs> and then you just punch him in the face. Like, his nose immediately breaks and blood comes down. It does not seem to be pulling him back, though. Okay. And I'm just going to stand here and prepare to punch him again. <laughs> you do get two attacks. Uh, a reminder, as a fighter. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm... You do have extra attack. I'm so used to playing range characters <laughs> i'm gonna punch him again oh there's a net one okay uh the first one hit him right in the nose and the second you're pulling back you're just trying to capitalize on that spot and he just kind of karate chops your elbow essentially <laughs> and like deflects it to the side and it's definitely like kind of that funny bone sort of thing they're feeling a little numb uh, in, in that arm <sighs> which is not the best feeling now i'm just gonna stand after that gonna just stand there and glare at only him and ignore everyone else for now okay <laughs> he is gonna take another punch at you that's a 18 to hit so my ac is 18 so that does hit okay and he does four damage to you unfazed the other ones are gonna run up. One of them is going to kind of sprint and just like kick at you from behind. <laughs> Ooh, that's a 23 to hit. Oh Jesus, yeah. So yeah, he kind of kicks you in the back of the leg, which will just do three damage. I imagine he would do the little like, and then just stand back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another one is going to kind of run over and try to grapple you, like just pin you. Oh, fuck. So he has to use athletics. You can use athletics or acrobatics to try to not be grappled by him. Oh, he is so fucked if I roll okay. <laughs> All right, I'm doing athletics. There's a 17. He rolled a 13. So yes. yeah, <laughs> he goes to grab and you just like flex like like he can't even get his arms around you like you're you're just too broad for him uh, another's gonna run and try to punch you definitely not gonna hit a 13 to hit no the last one you see him pick up a rock and toss it like throw it at you oh my god and it just flies over your head <laughs> all right you're up so the guy who tried to grapple me was he on my side 
was he trying to grapple me from behind? Uh, he'd be standing behind you. Behind me? Oh, he perfect. would kind of like ran around behind, yeah. Alright, so while he's behind me, I'm gonna... This will be my two attacks. Pull my elbow back, hit him in the face with my elbow, and then punch in front of me. <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, the wind back is elbowing him yeah. <laughs> in the face. Got it. Alright. Oh, nothing now. That's a net one. <laughs> That's rough stuff. <laughs> so he just kind of ducks beneath it. And then I'll say like, it's the same arm that had gotten a little numb the time before. Mm-hmm. He ducks beneath it and then like puts his head up kind of at, just at bad timing for you where it hits your elbow a bit. <laughs> so I'm going to say this next attack pushing forward, like your, your arm is just kind of fully numb, getting hit in the same spot twice. So I'm going to give you disadvantage Shit. on this next hit. Come on. It's an eight. Uh, yeah, Dallard uh, just kind of ducks out of the way of this punch. I'm just going to, unfortunately, everyone in my house is asleep, so I'm just going to have to say that I scream very loud in frustration. Yeah. <laughs> Dallard is going to try to punch you in the gut again. That is a 21 to hit. Oh, yeah. So that's four damage again. All right. Uh, the one that kicked you is going to kick you again. Mm-hmm. That's a 15 to hit, so that'll miss. The grappler, like, feeling a little confident that you just utterly whiffed, he's going to try to grapple you again. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> That's an 18. He got a 12. So, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Goes for it again and is like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the other one who tried to punch will just punch again, trying to kind of wail on you. You know, they're trying to hit you in different spots. One trying to grapple, one kind of trying to take out your legs. Obviously, the hope that they can just somehow get you to the ground, probably, which has not happened yet. <laughs> but he's going to take another punch at you. Um, ooh, fucking good rolls for this guy. Uh, 23 to hit. God damn. And he'll do three damage to you. Okay. Then Rock Thrower is <laughs> going to pick up another rock and toss it at you. As you look over, it seems like there's only two more rocks on the ground, like, near him. <laughs> 19. Damn, okay. Finally. All my rolls are good. <laughs> I will kill a player. <laughs> you take three points of bludgeoning damage as a rock just hits you in the face. All right, you're up. Clearly frustrated and annoyed. I'm just going to turn around and like use the momentum of turning around on the spot and just like punch the guy who's been kicking me. Just like try and hit him on the top of the head. Mm -hmm. Come on, give me something, please. Oh, thank God. It's a 19. All right, 19 will hit. All right. And then that's five damage. You hit him in the top of the head. He is still up where Dallard kind of just like, you know, bared through it. Like here, he definitely seems dazed Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) kind of like looks up scared. You know, you imagine he might be a bit concussed from a hit like this. (laughs) With that, I'm just going to assume there's someone to like to the right of him Mm -hmm. and just like backswing fist in their face. Uh, So probably Dallard would be the closest to do that, too. Cool. Say a punch down at the kicker and then bring around uh, to Dallard. Yeah. I'm not trying to cause any permanent damage to these <laughs> That's a 13. 13 just hits. Oh, yes. So then you have five. As you bring it around, you know, Dallard having dodged some successfully, like feeling kind of full of himself, uh, you bring it back and just hit him in the side of the head and just blood kind of starts pouring from his temple. He is starting to look kind of bad. Okay. Can I do one more thing? As he's doing this, you see him kind of like reaching for something at his belt, uh, but go ahead. Oh, shit. I was going to say, can I action surge? You certainly can. Yes. uh, Which probably is a good idea as you see what he's reaching for at his belt looks to be a knife. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I was going to say action surge and just headbutt him to like try and get him to the ground. (laughs) 
Okay. Roll attack. Oh no, <laughs> it's a six. So that will miss. Yeah. Uh, as you kind of move, he just dodges out of the way, but he is looking a little dazed. Action surge is just a full another, like you have an, uh, another attack. Oh, wow. With okay. it still. Pressed that I missed the headbutt, I will try and knee him in the stomach. Okay. <laughs> come on, come on. Oh, it's 11. 11, unfortunately, will miss. Shit. Yeah, you make your two big swings at him. He is going to grab for a knife at his belt and uh, take a swing at you with it. Uh Uh-huh. That is a 16. That will miss. You kind of just move out of the way. You know, it scrapes some of the leather, but doesn't uh, make any piercing into you. And you can tell, like, as you take a quick glance at your surroundings, uh, mostly at the person who's like throwing the rocks, like he kind of looks at Dallard having pulled out the knife and seems perturbed by it. Right. The one kicking you who has been dazed <laughs> is going to make an attack, kind of just kicking at you again. That's a natural one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just like completely out of it because of uh, what you've done is going to kind of like uh, uh, kick miss and just kind of be spun around and is now facing the opposite direction. <laughs> Poor guy. The one who's been grappling you or trying to grapple you, you'll hear him say, Dallard, we're just going to rough him up a bit. And you can hear him taking a step back. This would provoke an attack of opportunity if you want. He does seem to be like moving away though. Nah, hearing him say that I'm not going to attack him. I'm just very fixated on Dallard and his knife. Got it. The other one who's been punching at you is kind of going to look at Dallard, who's just going to, like, take a look at uh, this guy and just give, like, the meanest look. And he's going to look between... This guy's going to look between Dallard and you and then, like, take a swing (laughs) and try to hit you. Feeling intimidated, seemingly, by his captain. That is a 14. (laughs) The rock thrower is just going to stand there and not pick up another rock. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I want to try and grab Dallard's wrist that is holding the knife and kind of just like squeeze it and like twist it to like disarm him essentially. All right. uh, You'll do competing athletics checks. All right. He could use acrobatics, but he will use athletics. I will use athletics. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's an 11. He got a 10. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not any better. Uh, Yeah, you are able to grab his wrist and and kind of squeeze on it. I'll say it's not necessarily enough to like have him drop it, Mm -hmm. but for this very specific kind of grapple that there may not be actual rules for, (laughs) uh, but cinematically is cool. It seems like he would need to try to break the hole to make an attack at you with this knife. Was that both actions or is that just one your first like attack action will be to grapple and then you would have a punch yeah that's how we'll rule it because that's cooler otherwise it's kind of nerfing fighters yeah (laughs) um in that case with my other hand i'm just gonna try and punch him in the gut all right come on please let me do the good roll okay 15 15 will hit uh so yeah you punch him in the gut and that'll be another five damage and yeah he lets out a gasp as you punch him and he doesn't seem like necessarily fully knocked out but like a hint of losing consciousness as his hand uh lets go of the knife and he kind of slumps forward 
Okay. Is he still looking aggressive? He is looking so dazed, like two days to be aggressive okay. right now. I will let him go in that case. Yeah, he falls down to the ground. You realize in that moment, like you were kind of holding him up after after the punch. Shit. I'm going to look to the guy who was still punching me after the knife got pulled. Yeah, his hand is cocked back and like looks down to Dallard and looks up to you and like he will slowly lower his fist and take a step back. I just want to kneel down to the dazed Dallard and tell him, just leave me alone and this won't have to happen again. And I continue on my way. And I kind of glare at everyone else. Yeah, after after you lean down and say that, he seems like he's about to say, like, you son of a... And he, like, coughs up a little blood. And, like, <laughs> the guy who had been kicking you kind of, like, leans down. And he's like, Dallard, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just let him go. Uh, and helps Dallard up and takes him away. Ugh, I got blood everywhere. I'm just sort of unaffectively wipe my armor in an attempt to get everything off but it, i imagine blood is just gonna smear <laughs> yeah good thing i'm getting getting you close yeah you know after this looking a little bloodied and uh <laughs> clothes not as pristine as maybe you'd like you you know do the rest of the errands that you needed get the uh clothes to i mean at least not make it seem like you are a member of a lord's personal guard yeah. <laughs> Well, still, you know, having things that will be warm and protective and yeah, yep. get your horse situated and probably by, you know, mid-afternoon ready to ride out. Yeah. Knowing that things could potentially be a bit, you know, iffy, I will take a just a little short rest in between everything and maybe use the hit dice and take a minute for food and water and stuff. Yeah, you uh, rest up a bit. and Sweet. I'm just going to roll one dice now. Okay, cool. So yeah, you, you short rest and looking a fine sight better, yeah. <laughs> head off to the horse and, and start riding off. Unless there's anything you want to do before before that. Nah, my boss is passed out drunk and everyone hates me, so. <laughs> <laughs> so not much to do. Yeah. Yeah. A great situation for your guy. Yeah. <laughs> Blister really shows well. Yeah. <laughs> How is Blister feeling about that? I'm, I'm curious internally as he's riding off in this situation he's in, like what are what are his thoughts as, as you ride out of camp? A mix of just, I don't want to say shame, almost a kind of embarrassment that no one really likes him, but also a bit of pride that he got picked for this job that people who have worked their whole lives to get, um, but he fresh out of an academy got a job and managed to beat up the people who said they were more deserving than he was even though he clearly smoked them mm -hmm. so it's like a, a mix of just like I don't, I don't know the right word but yeah he's a bit embarrassed that no one likes him but also prideful that he is good at what he does and that's why mm -hmm. he's really focused on is that he just wants to be good at his jobs yeah makes sense you continue your ride uh you know towards where barden had given a map as you look it's certainly a fair amount of miles away it's not quite a day trip probably you know you assume maybe you could get there by evening like two days from now while taking some rests yeah for the sake of brevity here why don't you just tell me what your nights uh on the road are like you know i imagine the road is mostly just the road but how uh how are you spending your nights? Yeah. So every night uh, when it's, you know, getting a bit dark and the sun is 
close to sitting would just take some time to go off trail and find a place to set up a little campfire not really worried about who or what you know would find him more just in terms of not being on the road to sleep (laughs) Mm -hmm. set up a camp think about the job ahead and you know he's got some food packed so he doesn't really need to go hunting but falling asleep he would think about the fight that had happened just before he left and kind of sad that he doesn't really have any anyone to talk to apart from his boss and that's his boss so it it can only be a certain kind of relationship mm-hmm. but other than that he's just focused on whatever's coming up next yeah uh, your nights in general are relatively calm and peaceful it has started to get colder and colder you know as as the season continues but you've always been decent enough with the cold or at least able to handle it mm-hmm bear through it I, I imagine that's at some point part of your training at the venture academy was <laughs> climate uh yeah <laughs> training sort of things you know uh, as you know, many mercenaries from the academy get sent all over the world so you, you never know what you might have to prepare for yeah yeah you know you probably as you're moving far enough off the path aren't really running into people at night you know you might hear a few travelers on the road or even people with campsites and campfires not like terribly far from you mm-hmm. you know so you might hear some echoes of their voice on the wind but no interactions you know one-on-one yeah yeah probably the only animal that ever gets close to camp would be some birds which is obviously a welcome thing as you don't necessarily want wolves <laughs> <laughs> coming around as you sleep the sound of birds would be nice and soothing and ease some of the nervous anxiety about being hated at camp i guess Mm -hmm. the nights pass seamlessly enough and your travel is not terribly difficult a you've learned how to ride a horse well knowing when to push it when to ease back as to have it be fresh for the longest amount of time possible Mm -hmm. and you've also built a decent rapport with this horse whose name is we'll name the horse whisper whisper okay yeah I'm just glad he didn't say Roach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Whisper, you, you and Whisper have grown a solid rapport. feel like when you said Whisper, I assumed it was a female horse. Yeah, I can see that. So, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, so she, like, you know, seems to be calmed by your presence and, and is well-behaved and all that. Also, Blista is very just glad to have a big horse that can carry him with Mm -hmm. rare sight yeah you've probably had many experiences of having to just walk alongside horses (laughs) (laughs) you're able to get relatively close to the destination the the town of uh aftal forge aftal forge okay i'll dismount and walk beside whisper as i get closer you know and it's a normal kind of distance to do that and without it taking me Mm -hmm. way longer than it needs to (laughs) give her a break from you know carrying me and find a place to stable her. All right. So you want to head into town proper? Yeah. Yeah. You you head into Aftelforge. Your time in Cortia has largely been around Edgewood, mm-hmm. which is quite a massive, beautiful city nestled away in the woods. Then you've ridden by some small villages on your travels to South Fariff. And then you've seen South Fariff, which is another quite big metropolis. Neither city compares at all to Malison, yeah. <laughs> where you're from, which is, you know, literally a island that is a hundred miles by a hundred miles, almost all of which is city. It is the biggest city in the world. But you, I mean, you know, you can still understand like 
Yeah, Edgewood's a big city. Yeah. <laughs> For these Cortean folks, it's a big city. This by far is the most rundown place you've seen in a long while. The buildings are relatively close to disrepair. Um, you, you can see that there are aspects to it that like, one day it like one day in the past it probably was thriving a fair bit uh but those days have long passed as its usefulness seems to have faded away as time has gone on mm -hmm. as you walk through you know you see a few buildings that seem like almost like storage spots uh and they've kind of like broken down you get the sense that this used to be sort of like a mining town right and maybe probably just whatever they were mining ran out you know do i see many signs of uh i don't want to say signs of life but signs of people bustling like you know uh, bustling is the wrong word okay yeah not bustling uh people getting around <laughs> <laughs> but definitely people around you know moving slowly enough a few buildings that seem like less in disrepair uh than others mm -hmm. it's definitely lived in Right, it's not abandoned okay. as a town. It's quiet. It's quiet and slow, and it's more of that like because seemingly it used to be bigger and used to maybe be bustling that makes like the state it's in now feel a little like desolate, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just grim now. You have probably passed through villages that are about the same size in terms of population and like useful buildings. They were like a glove that perfectly fit the village, yeah. right? <laughs> Where this is like far too much is not being used and empty now. Okay. It makes it it makes it feel off. I guess I would try and find a place to get a drink. Try and find the local tavern and put Whisper on the hitch. Yeah. As you walk through, I you you probably you pass like a stable that like no one's working in. Yeah. <laughs> no one seems to be there. The stalls are empty. You know, it seems like whatever business had been there is no longer there. So you continue with Whisper and you would make it to an inn where you would see hitches outside and you would even see like a horse or two hitched to it. It's not like no one has done it other than you, you know. At the top, you would see a sign that says Dorble Inn. Yeah, I'll tie her up and give her like a snack. I don't know what horses, a carrot. Horses do like carrots, yeah. yeah. And walk in. Yeah, you uh, go into the inn. At this time of day, by the time you would have been able to arrive with the riding you've done, it would be kind of not quite sunset, mm -hmm. but definitely like late afternoon, like kind of getting close. So it's not necessarily quite the time that a lot of people would be coming here after, you know, maybe working at the farms and whatnot. But there are a few folks sitting around the tavern area. It's not entirely empty. Behind the bar, you would see a dwarven man with a uh one of the oddest looking dwarven men you've ever seen in your life as he does not have a beard his face is completely shaved and his hair is clean cut it's frankly something you've never seen before huh. so it takes you back for a moment but you know you can tell he is like very handsome so you imagine like he just doesn't want to cover <laughs> his face with a long dwarven beard because uh, he's got such a nice jawline <laughs> fair enough if there's a place to sit at the bar i'll go to that yeah there'll be one uh, good evening or oh, morning you're right the first time evening evening okay cool <laughs> he's like uh wiping down a mug you kind of like as you're so big <laughs> you can kind of like see over into the bar and you can see like there's a platform kind of up a foot or two like 
behind the bar that he seems to be walking on so he can be at like the height of a typical human-sized bar as Cortia is a largely a human-based area. Mm-hmm. We're going to get for you. Uh, what's, what's your specialty? What's your best ale that you have on tap or in cask? We, we got ale. I'll take an ale. Yeah. <laughs> we largely take what we can get around here. Fair enough. Not really specials. And I say is whatever's in the mug is special enough, right? He pours you a glass. Hey, if you're pouring it, it's special. He slides it over. Give him a coin. What can I do for you? You need a place to stay the night or just looking for a drink? Bit of both. Uh, Passing through, just traveling. So undecided if I want to stay or keep going. I usually just like to check out a town before I decide on that one. Fair enough. Tell me about, you know, this place. It's It's quite big, I've noticed. Um, for, I don't want to say smaller population and offend you, but <laughs> it's not what it seems. He gives a smile. It was before I lived around here, but used to be a mining town. A fair amount of folks made their keep in the mines, but eventually the gold ran out and tunnels collapsed. There wasn't much of a purpose for most of the things here. It's how I bought this place. It was dirt cheap because no one wanted to run a business, but. Yeah, fair enough. Get many travelers through here. In that case, or am I a rare sight? Yeah, we get the occasional travelers, people who can't make it all the way uh, to Bellin, traveling from South Farrah or Pinst or wherever. That's why I thought this would be a decent place for a tavern. Fair enough. You get some travelers through, so. Yeah, catch people on their way between places. Mm-hmm. Like me. Yeah. Wasn't the best bet. Probably could have picked a better spot, but, you know, to take what you get, right? Yeah. I'll uh, take a big gulp, finish it off, and... Be like, ask for another, get another special. <laughs> He'll smile and uh, pour another. So, uh, had anyone come through recently, by any chance? Uh, takes a thought. You know, I mean, we have folks coming through probably every two or three days. Someone new kind of rolls through, uh, points over to some people sitting at a table that you imagine are who the other horses belong to. Uh, it looks to be a family Imagine a husband and wife and a kid who's probably around 10 mm-hmm. looking for someone in particular. Or? Just a little bit curious. I'm on a, I look for someone, but I'm not hopeful that I'll find them. So just sort of seeing what I can see, you know, he gives a nod. Play a question real quick. This is the place that Baden uh, pinpointed was a place just outside of this town. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was an abandoned um, outpost. An abandoned outpost, yeah. Okay. But yeah, you know, I do like to just pop in to local places, see what their drink is like. But if you haven't had any, I would say, eclectic guests recently, then I probably would be wasting my time asking you more about that, I guess. Gives a big bit of a shrug. Yeah. Uh, eclectic, no. You know, usually just a few folks coming through staying a night or just pass through grab a drink but fair enough nothing that really stands out you know if someone was curious about how this place used to run where would someone find you know all the old old things that were once used gives you a look well there's plenty of abandoned buildings around town that used to have a fair amount of use and more people were here uh, whether it be storage areas or different places where they would melt down gold and whatnot outside of town there's the entrance to the old mines but most of that's collapsed mm-hmm. uh and if you're trying to go there 
and you want to you know stay alive i wouldn't go in them then there's an outpost just south of town where we used to have or we <laughs> where the town used to have lookouts uh sometimes bandits would come in from the woods and try to steal supplies so had a spot there in order to try to fend them off and keep an eye out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well if the folk around here wouldn't mind me just you know i like to survey places and get a feel i like history is what i'm trying to get at here mm-hmm. and i just like inspecting old things broken or intact and if people wouldn't be upset by me just you know having a look what i'll say is the folk around here are pretty private mm-hmm. uh, i wouldn't bother anyone personally privacy though there's something about that where best thing to ease that sort of thing over is a little bit of gold <laughs> just look at him give him a little nod and <sighs> how much gold would you say blister has he works for bard and dunn so probably is doing well for himself i'd say most of the money you get you pretty quickly send back mm-hmm. to venture academy who would do a few i mean there's a percentage that you need to always send back to venture academy and then they forward it on to different places i'd say like on you right now you probably have a solid amount like a hundred gold okay yeah that's about what i was thinking which isn't like all your earnings because the vast percentage is gets sent to venture yeah. academy but it's enough to be comfortable mm-hmm. okay that's good. I just wanted to slide them 10. And in general, too, it's not that all the gold that you send to Venture goes to the Academy. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it does get set aside for different things that benefit you. Yeah. But you are advised not to just hold on to it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As mercenaries from Venture are well renowned and well known and are already targets, as you have found, uh, yeah. <laughs> for anger and jealousy. So if it was known that you were carrying stupid amounts of gold on you even worse yeah <laughs> at all times yeah it'd be even worse so it's it, it has become habit for you to send it back mm-hmm. and you know uh you probably didn't ask too many questions right blister doesn't seem like the super questioning type to his professors and you know the ways of things you would get the sense that they probably are using money that they are holding on to you for like to invest it and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like a bank essentially. And they will give you the money if you ask for it, right? Yeah. They find it better to be holding on to the money yeah. <laughs> uh, for their personal gain. But yeah, I'll, you know, nod and slide over about 10 gold. Uh, not about exactly 10 gold. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He uh, takes a look and gives a nod. I'll make sure anyone around the town knows that you're a friend of yeah. Atle Forge. Appreciate it. And I'll guzzle this one this last beer down or this last ale down and slip him another coin just for himself nod and go grab whisper much appreciated where are you headed to the south of the town to go to the outpost okay are you riding or walking walking with whisper or okay you head down it's it's not a long walk probably about 15 minutes to the south and you see like a watchtower um which as you kind of get a little closer you see like the ladder has mostly been broken off and Mm -hmm. a few like fortifications that seem to have been built like onto trees almost uh like on the side of them just to offer a little cover case of any sort of attack but a lot of it does seem broken down and hasn't been in use for a good long while beaten down by the elements and and whatnot Mm mm-hmm and the sun, it, it's probably starting to set a bit, you know, so you're getting that little after golden hour lighting. Yeah, yeah. I would use this time then, inspect the area, try and see if I can find a place where people may have camped. All right. Roll an investigation check. Ooh, okay. Let's let's see how this goes. 12? 
Yeah, you uh, look around the camp searching for any signs of people having stayed there, just any signs of anything. You would like be able to tell it doesn't seem like, like looking through, there aren't obvious signs of people having walked through here or a large group of people having walked through here, right? Mm -hmm. Especially a group of six people and a kidnapped princess, right? Yeah. Like, like there's certain signs that you would be able to see if a group of, of that many people had been around here. You know, maybe there's the occasional footprint you find or not even footprint, but like sign of like grass having been stepped on mm -hmm. that an individual would have, but not signs of like multiple people. Okay. In that case, since the sun is setting, I would find a place just outside of... The outpost to set up my own little camp. Do half orcs get dark vision? They do. Okay, no fire. Mm -hmm. No fire. Yeah. Guess the sun wouldn't have fully set at this point, right? Mm, yeah, not quite. Okay, just enough. Could I look at the map at all that I have been given? Uh, yeah, for sure. Is there any sort of indication that there's a place outside of the outpost, or is it just like the outpost is circled? Uh, just the output. I mean, that only that seems to be what was noted. Well, internal thinking. I guess this one was a bust. It would stay up late to just wait and see if there's any signs of anyone at all. Keep an eye out while he's chilling in the camp. Yeah. Uh, roll a perception check. Okay, this one's slightly better. Come on. Ooh, hoo -hoo, 22. <laughs> 22. So as you're kind of like sitting there you don't have a fire but you are out in the openish right yeah you would notice very slight it isn't like an obvious anything it's just the slightest movement in a tree probably about like 50 feet away from you just like a slight movement in the leaves and you would assume like oh probably a bird flying into it mm -hmm. but you have been like keeping an eye out right and have not seen like a bird flying into it or flying out of it at any point. Okay. So you're kind of like, well, maybe it was in there for a while, but it seems unlikely. Yeah. Oh, this is going to suck, but I'm going to do it anyway. I imagine this is going to be a stealth check quietly, but not like as if I am, you know, trying to sneak up on something, but I would like to do it quietly, walk up to that location. Does that make sense? So you want to do a stealth check or... I mean, he's wearing plates, so I imagine I would... <laughs> You'd roll a disadvantage, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, since I want to do it quietly, I, I would like to make a stealth check. Okay. Okay, 13. 13, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, you walk as quietly as you can. There is the soft, like, bling, bling, bling <laughs> with each step, but it is, it is pretty quiet for you especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just investigate where I saw the, the rustling of the, the tree. Yeah, as you're walking, make another perception check. Ooh, there's a net one. You walk up where you heard the rustling, look up, and nothing is in the branches of the tree. Okay. You would then hear a, the sound of a bowstring being drawn back and a voice saying, so just you then? Uh, yes. Who sent you? I am just traveling. I noticed some movement and wanted to make sure I was safe. And I guess... I'm not entirely right now. Roll a deception check. <laughs> oh, fucking net 20. Let's go. Which makes it a 21. Hmm. You should get out of here then. Well, if I get out of here and go back to where I've set up, how do I know I'm going to be safe? 
Oh, well, just my word, I suppose. Can I inside check that? Are you going to turn around? Oh, yeah. So what is the situation? So it's behind me. Yep. Behind you. Okay. Uh, it seems like it's a female voice. I'll have like hands up. Not going to like look like I'm drawing for anything and turn around slowly. Yeah. As you turn, you see uh, the figure kind of like pull back a little bit more uh, and you take a look and it looks to be a half elven woman. Uh, she has red hair that ends about midway to her neck. Her eyes sort of have a glint to them and there's like a half smile on her face that just like as you look her for a second, it's not even that like she has you in this position like with kind of power over you. You just kind of get the sense that maybe like that's just how her face rests Mm -hmm. always with a bit of a smile. (laughs) I'm not looking for trouble. I just want to know that I'm going to be safe to continue my travels. Roll insight. Okay. Ten. Um, hard fully to read like as you told your lie about just passing through like you could tell like i delivered that well Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you don't necessarily fully know how much you know someone whose first interaction with you would be pointing a bow at you like yeah where that would lie but yeah you it's hard to get a full read you know that you sounded convincing enough but also you are a you know (laughs) big dude dressed in plate yeah So to just be a traveler, even with a solid line, like there's clearly more to you that you assume she can read. Yeah, yeah. Like that's even without an inside track, right? That's just like yeah. basic logic. I'm a giant <laughs> half orc in plate. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have any more trouble? Well, you tell me. You're the one passing through an old abandoned outpost for no reason other than you just like to. And you've been sitting there for a few hours looking out seemingly looking for something yeah i was looking for danger um well, you found it yeah yeah i can see that now that i know it's here i don't know if i will be able to sleep tonight recalling the conversation internally recalling the conversation ahead with bard and dunn and the pictures he showed me does this person look familiar no for a moment you're kind of like well the red hair does seem similar to the half elf in it but this woman's appearance certainly is like far gaunter not like entirely gaunt, but more thin her face is thinner and hair shorter and stance different the the person in the picture too with red hair had like plate armor very cleric looking if you were to guess a class okay. of <laughs> that person where you know this woman is far more live seeming and obviously as you look her up and down she's wearing kind of black leathers with a bow and a long dagger on her side mm-hmm. Some, I guess, similarities in in look, but you pretty quickly are able to determine that this is not that person. Okay. The color of hair too, like the picture that you had seen was like dyed red hair, right? Like very clearly meant to look more red than probably is natural where this is, you know, more natural seeming red hair. Okay. Okay. What are you doing in the trees here then? You know, you you say it's seemingly odd for me to be camped out in an outpost but i could say the same about you being in some trees her smile widens a little bit see you should have just said you were passing through i would have let you go with that but now you're asking questions all i need to know is if i'm going to be safe who sent you no one sent me who sent you do i look like i'm carrying the mark or insignia of someone else no i'm just traveling 
She unleashes an arrow that flies right past your right ear and embeds in the tree that you had just been looking at that she seemingly was in and starts shaking. And in a moment later, she has another arrow knocked. Who sent you? I see you've done this before. I have been sent by no one that you should be concerned about. Just a man looking for some people. And what people are those? Some bad people who kidnapped someone important. She gives like a knowing nod. What's your name? Blister. What kind of name is Blister? (laughs) It's a name I gave myself to protect my family so there's no trace back to them. But everyone who has met me in Korchia knows me as Blister. Where are you from then? I'm from Malison. She seems to kind of be putting some stuff together. Oh, so you're one of those academy brats. I guess you could say that. Look, there are a few ways that we can go about this. I can kill you. That probably doesn't sound great, right? No. He like kind of does like the head shake, like, you know, side to side. <laughs> no, not great. Or you can tell me who sent you. Look, the person who sent me was under the impression that this would be a failed journey. You know, there's a lot of places to look and only one of them is going to be right. So I can just go back, tell him nothing was here, and that's it. You're lying, right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the, the, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you, you would tell him? Yeah. Okay. Then roll a persuasion check. <laughs> Ooh, four. <laughs> <laughs> In general, the DC would have to be pretty high for her not to assume that you're bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> and a four, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> does not do that. Uh, just like you can't trust that I'll let you walk away, I can't trust that you'll not say anything about here. Okay. Fair enough. I understand that. Aside from the information of my employer... Is there anything else I can do to settle this without the need of violence? No. I didn't think that would be the case, but you have to ask. I have a question for you then, before I consider telling you who my boss is. Who is your enemy? Most people. Fair enough. So no matter who it is, you'll be upset that they are here looking, right? Certainly depends. But information is power, and I'm here to collect some of that. Yeah. Well, I have been sworn to secrecy, and I do like to get paid. That's the main reason I'm doing this. Not really. I do believe in the cause, but I'm not loyal to it. I'm loyal to the coin. As I'm talking to her, her, is there a way to sort of listen, I guess, because I don't want to like take my eyes off her to see if there's anyone else in the surrounding area? Uh, You can definitely do a perception check to see if you can like pick up on any. Yep. Oh, 13. (laughs) 13. It doesn't seem like it. Okay. So my loyalty is not so much to my employer as it is the deep pockets and all i can tell you is that you're not who i'm looking for so i have no reason to report on anything when i go back to him so if you just let me go i think it would be better for the both both of us how much coin do you need to tell me who you work for quite a lot this is a very rich person to betray him would be trouble how much trouble how much coin name your number hmm Thinking it over, it would have to be, what is a big about, like 10,000? That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 10,000 is a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that might be pushing it. 5,000 gold, and I can walk away comfortably and not go back to him. There are other ways to get information off someone. Uh, she unleashes one of the arrows. Fuck. <laughs> uh, or her arrow at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so she will get 
a attack on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she does have advantage as it's kind of a, I mean, ability stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Those are terrible, but not great rolls. 16 to hit. Near. Did you're lucky. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good turn of events for you. That will be her kind of surprise round. Now the two of you will roll initiative. Okay, cool. Fuck. Damn it. Nine. It stayed on 20 for so long and then moved. Uh, <laughs> she rolled a four, so that's seven. So you go first. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, I'm going to pull out my great sword mm-hmm. and take a slash. Cool. Oh, this is a 25. That will hit. That's 10 damage. Okay. I get another one, don't I? Yeah, you get two attacks. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that is a 17. 17 will hit. Oh, yes. And that one is in a, a 15. Jesus. Fuck. All right. You can tell that you wanted to keep a little bit of distance between you. <laughs> it normally probably rolls pretty well for initiative, uh, but not so much here. And you take two big slashes. Anything else you want to do? Mm, I will just quickly say it doesn't have to end with one of us dying. And that's it. You have little use to me dead, so I'm not going to kill you. Just get you close. And she's going to take two attacks. All right. 19. Oh, yeah, that's going to hit. Cool. All right. So you take seven points of piercing damage. Mm-hmm. And then I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Oh, fuck. Interesting. 18. 18. So you save which means you will take half damage. Oh, fuck. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you take half damage. Oh my God, that was all dust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you take 12 points of poison damage as you feel this blade that seems lined with something enter, and she's going to take a second attack on you. That is a nine, so that will miss. <laughs> so she misses you with the second one. Oh, nasty little blade you got there. Okay, I see. I'm just going to take another swing. All right. There's a 21. 21 will hit. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's eight points of damage. Okay. Do I have a quick gauge on like, is she looking fine or is she looking? She's definitely looking hurt. Yeah. Okay. I mean, still hardy enough, but it's definitely taking a bit of a toll. Okay. Oh, uh, I'll take another. Take another. Okay. Take another swing. Fucking hell, it's a 24. <laughs> Dude, you, <laughs> you've been rolling pretty well in this session. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on, I mean, you had those ones in the brawl, right? Yeah. Where you really were primed to like just kick complete ass. Yeah. <laughs> but this way you're doing well. Yeah. Uh, roll, roll damage. Okay. That's a seven. Okay. She is going to use a bonus action to disengage. Fuck. She's going to run towards the tree and she's going to use her action to like kind of swing up to a branch. So that's going to be her full turn. Mm-hmm. kind of getting the height so she doesn't get it in the tack. But yeah, between her movement and action, uses it to kind of get height and, and get away from you a bit. Okay. How high up would you say she is? Uh, It's probably about like 15 feet. I would say it's out of your attack range for sure. Yeah. Like where she is. How big's the tree? Like how wide? Like how girthy is the tree? It's a decent size, probably like a couple feet. It's not like you could chop it down. If that's what you're asking. I was going to shake it. Shaking it like probably wouldn't be enough to make her fall out. Okay, it's okay. not that small of a tree. Okay. No, if fair. you shook it, especially with your size and strength, like it would definitely sway, you know. But she's trained, I'm imagining. Yeah. And it's not narrow enough where it'd be too much movement. To... Okay. That's fair. In that case, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take my short sword mm-hmm. and I will 
try and throw it at her feet kind of area like so like kind of boomerang it so it's yeah like a sideways throw yeah yeah more with the intent of knocking her off balance yeah uh this will be an improvised weapon throw so this will just be a dexterity check okay uh dexterity okay come on come on come on three it was on two (laughs) i mean it was on 20 (laughs) uh you short it a bit and it just kind of flies out and lands probably about like 20 feet away from you incredibly embarrassed i'll (laughs) sort of walk more towards the tree and hold my great sword in sort of a stance to see what she does next okay she is going to knock an arrow and take a shot at you Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give her disadvantage because she's like standing on a tree branch yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) what i'll say too is as like she won't be able to like hold on to other branches while taking this shot I'll give it a 15% chance that, like, she falls out. So on a one, two, or three, she will, like, lose balance and fall out of the tree. Oh, shit. Okay. It's not, like, these huge, huge branches out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) All right. That is a two. Oh, my God. (laughs) That Fuck. All right. Uh, She takes a shot, and it kind of hits in the ground next to you she has to make a deck saving throw to see if she lands on her feet oh my god or on her back if she lands on her feet pretty much what that means is she will have like the room and space to take a second attack yeah if she lands on her back she'll use her movement to get up and then that'll be it okay okay that's a 15 so she saves uh and she's then gonna just knock another arrow quick like almost unfazed <laughs> by this but like trying her best to look cool with it and take another shot. Uh, That is a 21 to hit. Oh, yeah, that's going to hit. Cool. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Oh, no, not again. Oh, that 20. Nice. Uh, So you take seven points of piercing damage. Uh Uh-huh. And then you feel the poison course through you. That's at the end of this. And you take 15 points of poison damage. Oh, my God. And that's reduced. All right. After she lands her hit, she then, because uh, she does have movement, is just going to run 30 feet away from you. Okay. How far did you move from the tree? Enough that I wasn't standing under her and could, like, have an eye line. So I would say maybe, I don't know, 10 feet back from the tree. Okay. So currently you're 40 feet away from her. Okay. And I have 30 feet of movement. Okay. You can dash with your action if you want, but obviously that uses your action. Yeah, I will do that. I'll dash with my action to get to her and then action surge. Okay. So I can attack her. <laughs> cool, cool. God, fighters are cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to hit her with the great sword because the short sword is somewhere in the forest. <laughs> that is an 18. 18 will hit. Fuck yeah. God, you're fucking killer. <laughs> you're doing well. <laughs> and that is a 12 on damage. All right. Um, with each hit at this point, because I don't want to kill her, mm-hmm. um, I would just like to assess how she looks. Yeah, she's definitely looking pretty hurt. I, I'd also say, like, when you're making your attacks, if you want to do them kind of in a non-lethal way, like, obviously, you are hitting her with a sword, which is going to do a lot of damage, but there's a difference between, you know, driving your sword into her stomach, you know, like, or slicing off her head, opposed to, like, you know, hitting her in the head with the blunt end of it or okay. something, you know, or, or just a slap across the leg or chest that might yeah if you are specifying that you're aiming for non-lethal yeah then yeah okay cool she's definitely looking pretty 
on edge at this point. Before I take another slash, I will ask, do you give up? And she'll say, do you? <laughs> no response. I'm just going to take a swing. <laughs> All right. 18 again. 18 will hit. <laughs> and that is 12 damage. Man, that's the okay. same roll twice. <laughs> nice. She is still up looking pretty cut up and bad, breathing heavy, looking desperate. I get, Yeah, I used up all my stuff, so that's that'll be the end of it. Okay. She is going to attack you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Figured <laughs> as much. Again. 25 to hit. Oh, yeah. So you take five points of piercing damage. Mm-hmm. And con save. Then another con save. I'm so glad I have a high con save. Holy crap. Oh, 25. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh. <laughs> it was like on a really low number, and I thought that's where I was going to land. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good thing it wasn't the low number for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you will take 14 points of poison damage. God, I'm not looking great right now. <laughs> she is uh, going to yell out again and take another slash. Fuck. That is a 17. Teen. Oh, that just misses. Okay. <laughs> she yells out, take a desperate slash, trying to drive it into you, and it just kind of barely bounces off your plate. Mm-hmm. Ooh, one higher, and that could have been the end of me. <laughs> How much health do you have left? 22. Ooh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, granted, you're a god at con saves, so. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> You'd be pretty fucked if you didn't. If you would have got hit, not done the con save. Otherwise, yep. it'd be close. But yeah, uh, you're up. All right. Yes. Take it. Let's take another swing. All right. Roll the hit. Very desperately. 18 again. <laughs> Three tens on attack rolls. 18 will hit. Ooh. Uh, 15. All right. How uh, how would you like this attack to go? Oh, God. Okay. I don't okay. want <laughs> no copyright intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, seeing that she's like quite batted, I would like to take her hilt and just sort of like bop her in the side of the head. Okay. And take her, like, knock her out. All right, yeah. You uh, swing and just hit her on the side of the head as she's, like, pulling back to try to take another stab at you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Similarly to your fight a few days ago, the knife limps out of her hand and she falls down to her knees. And you just see kind of blood dripping down the side of her head. I'm going to pick her up mm-hmm. on my shoulder, carry her back to camp, and, you know, tie her up hands tied behind her back okay and feet tied all right as i'm doing you know as i'm checking as i'm doing all that i will make sure that she's not going to die Mm -hmm. okay a few checks then first do a medicine check Mm -hmm. god this is oh no this is where i roll badly i know it (laughs) oh 19 dude your rolls today are (laughs) actually next level (laughs) where's this one we're actually like playing our campaign (laughs) (laughs) 19, you're able to kind of like treat her wound a bit. Like you can tell she is stable based on the kind of hit that you made at the end. Mm-hmm. And you're able to kind of dress the head wound in a way where like, yeah, she might get a concussion, but at least the bleeding won't be too bad. You know, make sure she doesn't lose too much blood and all that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then I'll also have you just for like not tying ability. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a dex check. Okay. 17. Fuck you, dude. Fuck <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you. Yeah, uh, you know, you've done a fair bit of knots. It's something that you would have learned in your classes, right? In general. Because a lot of a lot of mercenaries that come from the academy end up, you know, being ship escorts. So you learn a lot of like ship knots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
So that's probably like how you would know it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, various utilities. You're able to tie up her hands and legs in a way where you're pretty confident that like if she were able to escape, it would take long enough for you to be able to tell. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of wait for her to wake up. Yeah. But in that time, I'm going to use that if there's enough time before she wakes up as a short rest. <laughs> yeah, there would be enough time. Okay, cool. I'm at a comfortable HP level now. And yeah, I would just sort of wait it out. Okay. By this point, like the sun has, I mean, the sun set kind of when you were waiting around and had gotten dark and, uh, you know, the moon is kind of more in like full rise at this point. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, you're keeping an eye on her. It is quite dark as you didn't start a fire, but you're able to see her with your kind of grayscale (laughs) dark vision. And you would see her eyes kind of slowly blink open. And then you kind of see her do like an exploratory movement with her hands and notice that they're tied and like look up at you. Good morning. Why didn't you kill me? I just saw no reason to kill you. I just wanted to look for something and that something wasn't here. And I do need to know now why you felt the need to kill me as I walked into your area. She kind of looks around. And what happens if I don't tell you? I haven't decided yet. I either leave you here tied up to die or I kill you quickly. Roll intimidation. <laughs> oh, 14. <laughs> okay. As you look at her, she doesn't seem like entirely sold, mm-hmm. right? Or terrified or, you know, whatnot. She can see the graveness of the situation and doesn't necessarily have a full read on what you'd actually do, you know? <laughs> yeah. She believes it enough that you would do either of those things. I, uh, I was sent here to see who would come. Mm-hmm. and told anyone who did figure out why they came and eliminate them as threats. So you're one of the plants, one of the false leads, for maybe who I'm looking for. Something along those lines, yeah. Well, oh, wait, hang on, I should inside check that. <laughs> what? Yeah, hard to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I leave here and leave you alive, what would you report back to your, your boss? You think I'd tell my boss that I got bested by someone else and let them leave? Oh, that was a respectable fight. I appreciated that. It's not often someone can make me fear death in such a way. So for that, I do respect you a lot. And I don't see why we can't just both return home and say there's nothing to report. She gives you a long look. I don't judge who people work for because those who I work for are seen by many as the wrong kind of sort. But if you were sent here by someone, I can almost guarantee that you are working for the wrong kind of sort. I mean, as I told you, I'm not from here. I was hired to do a job, and from everything I've been told, it feels like I'm not working for the wrong sort. Then you probably don't know enough. That may be true, but I get paid well, and that's the most important thing to me right now. I don't really have skin in this conflict other than my own wallet, so if it turns out I'm wrong. I, I walk away fine. She gives a long look. If you tell me who you're working for, and whoever you're working for is an interesting kind of person, I can get you more coin than you can imagine. Mm-mm. Do I get another insight check on that? <laughs> you can roll an insight check, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a nine. You know, what you have noted from her is that she is quite good with the blade and quite good at shielding intent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. able to approach conversation with an even tone so hard to read mm-hmm. do you have any proof on you right now about the coin or are you traveling light she 
kind of like with her head like she reaches with her hands for a second but they're tied up <laughs> uh and then like with her head she kind of like nudges over like her leather a bit like trying to move her shirt a little over to the right and as she kind of pushes it with her chin you see a little bit of her you know exposed shoulder mm-hmm. and you can see what looks like a tattoo of kind of just like a uh a right triangle mm-hmm. roll a history check <laughs> as a 10 10 not being from around here you're like somewhat familiar with the sign but you don't know enough yeah okay i'm not overly familiar with uh your alliance here but anything that is permanently put on someone's skin must be pretty serious and for that i would believe mostly what you have to say about the money okay to be completely honest with you i like my boss uh he treats me well he pays me good that said everyone else in the camp does not want me around to say the least they don't think i'm deserving of my position for who i work for to be completely honest i don't know if they tried to kill me or just severely injure me as i left so you know it's not a place i'm exactly excited to go back to so i forget you malice and folk don't know everything going on in cordia a little separated we haven't gotten out there much yeah my group the corners we earn what we get and we get what we earn i have a lot of it and a lot of influence depending on who your friend is or your boss is there could be places for you and a lot to be earned for you and i know this might be a little tough as i just tried to kill you but that won't happen again you know if you're working with us hey well you told me your boss so i guess it's only fair i won't tell you specifically who i'm working for but it is the dunn family you see like a small smile come across her face good to know and i think you would understand how much money that involves certainly but i mean i'm not out here to make friends but it would be nice to be able to sleep at night knowing not someone's not going to come and slit my throat Uh, especially the way i left the guy who tried to attack me on the way here i imagine he would uh try something worse next time so how committal is this (laughs) she gives a long look can we start with a sign of good faith and kind of like looks to her hands like for you to unbind them? Oh, I'm tie her hands, but leave her feet. Okay. She like rubs her wrists uh, and kind of as talking, like she will herself trying to be casual about it almost mm-hmm. untie her feet herself. Uh, uh, not yet. Okay. But maybe soon. That's just step one. She nods. My employers have interests all across Cortia. We try to make sure that we're always in the best position to grow forward what i can say is the folks you're allied with are on a losing path and everything that's going wrong right now is their fault so you could do the right thing and make a lot of coin by pretty much doing what you've been doing except also sending some information our way this is a deep deep long think (laughs) yeah at the end of the day i just need coin to send home and a safe place to sleep at night Anything beyond that is a luxury. I'm only getting half of that at the moment. So if you can promise my safety, especially after, you know, what I potentially am about to do, I imagine it's not going to go down well. I would like to see what you have to offer in person with my own eyes. I'll untie her feet, stand up, and offer her a hand. She will uh, take your hand and stand up and kind of brush herself off, uh, holding like her side where you probably slashed uh one of your swings 
sorry about that. That's how it goes. I shot at you first. Here's the deal I can offer. I don't know who specifically with the Duns you're working with, if it's general or someone in the family, but what you'll do is give information about the things that you see and the places you're going and the plans they make, and you'll tell me that through this, and she hands you a little stone that you would recognize. You've seen these before. It's a sending stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd get the sense that this is probably like her sending stone that she has with someone, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to contact at the corners, but like, you know, short notice. Mm-hmm contact through that and if you ever have trouble you let us know through that and we can try to do what we can to keep you safe there and as things move forward and time goes on you keep us informed and when the moment's right we'll make sure you're safe to get out of it okay i'm sure my employers would also have a good use for you after all this as you're capable i would hope so i'll offer a handshake uh she will shake your hand and if this goes badly well, I guess I know how to find you, and I'll, like, shake, you know, throw the sending stone. Yeah. She will uh, reach into another pouch and pull out what looks like a little coin purse and say, consider this in advance. Thank you. Holding it, how much would I guess is in there? <laughs> Definitely a fair bit bigger than the pouch you have on you. Okay. It's not the right time yet, but I will tell you right now it is someone high up in the rankings. Extremely high up. And, well... <sighs> I guess I'm tired. <laughs> so you're free to stay here or do what you need to do. The protection we can offer you and the information and the help and money we can offer you does depend on who this is. And the sooner I can know, the better I can help you. There's a long pause. I do like my boss. I need you to understand that this isn't something I'm taking lightly. It is the people around him that is making me do this decision. It's all business. Yeah. You can like your boss and do business with us. It's bad and dumb. Her smile gets a little bit bigger. And you can kind of tell, like, based on probably knowledge that she has on where some people are stationed. She was hoping right. <laughs> that this was the case. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to be off on my own way, and you can be off on your own. And I hope to hear from you soon. Likewise. My name's Serial, by the way. Blister. You already knew that. Looking forward to working with you, Blister. You too, Serial. She uh, walks off. You know, as like takes a few steps and, you know, as you probably like turn your head for a second to cough or <laughs> breathe or something uh, and turn back, she is gone. And I just go to sleep. Uh, yeah, your night passes without any issue. You probably stay up a bit, I imagine, every once in a while keeping an eye out, just being like, is she going to come back and just kill me? Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like you two have understood each other on a common language and at the very least, She's happy to be leaving with her life uh, as there was a moment where I think she thought it was definitely going to be gone mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as an opportunity. But yeah, so you wake up the next day. Then are you just heading back? Yep. Writing whisper, but not like on the way here, it would have been not rushed, but you know, quick pace um, on the way back. It's just a slower ride as I collect my thoughts and think about how I'm going to do this. Yeah, you, uh, you know, you probably clean up a bit, I imagine, and uh, prepare things how you need to and have a couple more nights on the road. Is all that just as you're saying the reflection of like what happened and how to move forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And eventually you, after a few days and probably a little less than a week of being gone in general, you find yourself back outside of South Fariff near the Duncamp. 
the Duns are still there. Mm -hmm. They haven't left. You were able to get there and back quick enough yeah. before leaving. It does seem like they are kind of like getting ready to pack things up soonish, uh, maybe in a couple days. But some of the structures that had been there for a little while are starting to be packed away and whatnot. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Deep breath. Go report to Barden Dunn. Uh, you walk through the camp. You would see Dallard uh, barking orders at someone, just nose completely broken and a black eye. <laughs> uh, he'll give you like a death glare as you walk through, but continue with his own shit, you know? <laughs> completely ignore him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then you make your way into Barden's tent. As you head in, currently he is standing again over the table looking at various maps and pieces of paper you do notice that um doesn't have a glass of wine poured although in the corner you do notice like a full flagon of it but just not drinking today maybe he had too much of a hangover <laughs> after you left and just taking some time off but yeah you see him working on some things and he looks up at you ah, blister good to see you take a seat thank you sir i'll sit down how have things been here back at the camp while i've been gone uh. You know how it goes. Uh, not great. Seems that the only way for Gorstag to pledge fealty to my brother is by him marrying the Lord's daughter, which he has no intent or interest in doing. So, yeah. fortunately, it seems like them as an ally might not be in the long term. Well, you win some, you lose some, huh? True. True enough. Unfortunately, you were right. Got to the town. Very weird town. It's very empty, but bigger than what I was expecting it to be for how seemingly desolate it was. Explored some of the surrounding areas and there was no signs of anyone even camping there at any point. Seems you were right about a false lead. Roll a deception check. Fuck. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Oh no, that's a three. He gives you a long look. That is quite disappointing. Yeah. And he kind of continues to look you over. Well... We'll be heading east soon, so you might want to get ready for travel. Give him a nod and stand up and head back to, I guess, is it like a barracks, I guess? Like, wherever he would. Not really a barracks, it's just a handful of tents, like, lined. Yeah, go back there. As you get to, like, the exit of his tent, he says, Blister. Sir? Thank you again for all the help. Glad I can trust you. Of course, and I'll leave. You don't feel his eyes, like, leave you yeah <laughs> until you are certainly out of line of sight from him heart is just racing well as you walk away feeling the heaviness of this sending stone in your pocket and the deal you've made and the place you've put yourself in and get ready for whatever adventure is next with the done camp I think this is a good place to end the session. Mm -hmm. God. A little open-ended. <laughs> and maybe one day we can see the next steps of Blister and uh, Barden's uh, <laughs> line here. Yeah. God, that was so stressful. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, interesting the way things twisted. We'll have to talk about it and after the roll, obviously. Yeah. It was definitely the way things went with Serial is interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because you opened yourself up so early as like, well, I like gold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I like money. Yeah. Certainly you vocalizing that mm -hmm. very much influenced how she approached you, which uh, we, we'll have to talk about in depth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting how that went. Yeah, no, that was... Uh... That was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
I like these when they do have a very definitive closed ending. Yeah. But I also like when there's just this part one feel to them. Like there's a part one feel to this episode that I didn't necessarily expect, but I'm very excited to potentially explore further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but... (laughs) That was definitely a lot. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about it more in After the Roll. For all of you still listening, thank you so much for your time and audience ship. That's all things. Those are all words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you for listening uh, and, and the support you give. And I hope you have a great day and or night. I will see you in the next one. Goodbye. Thanks for having me, Raz. Yeah, thanks for being on. I, I appreciate you joining, as always. I hope you all have a good one. Bye. Bye. All right, it is that time again to thank all the patrons in the Heroes of Korkia tier and see what all of them have been getting up to. First, we have Aurora of Winter, a tabaxi paladin who has undertaken an oath of blindness to best serve justice. After successfully winning a trial by combat to clear the name of a man framed for murdering the Reese of a small hamlet, she found the people of the town confused on what to do next. If the accused was innocent, that meant a murderer was still about. Aurora's head darted back and forth as she tried to take in the townsfolk's worried whispers, and just before the voices became too much to bear, she stepped forward and spoke in her calm and steadying voice. It is my duty to bring justice wherever I go. I have done one part, so now I will do the other. I will find your murderer. That stopped the voices. Then there is Keelan Damari, a mountain dwarf and former soldier from Brana who has found himself on the roads of Cortia. No real destination in mind, but he did what he could to stay busy. The day before, he had helped a farmer corral some sheep that had broken out of their paddock. The day before that, he had escorted a young family from the city to their estate. And the day before that, he had killed the man who made the mistake of trying to rob him. Today, though, he had been hired to travel with a small caravan on its way to Teldwith. An easy sort of job, one he had done thousands of times before. However, as the screech rang out and the flames licked the base of the wagon, he knew this wasn't going to be a simple job. Next is Emmanuel Villop, a human wizard living in the seaside city of Tipport. He sat alone in Brucken's tavern, waiting for his client. Without consciously doing it, he fiddled with the broken hilt of an old dagger, Morton's dagger the one they had found next to his body. Before he could dwell on the memory, the door to the tavern opened and his client walked in. An up-and-coming merchant, pretty new to the city, naive in a way likely to get him robbed or killed. He took a seat. Emmanuel dropped a folder on the table before he could pull in his chair. She works for a local mob boss named Fenris. Your shop is in a prime location for them and he wants it, so she's playing you for it. The merchant looked over the notes Emmanuel had written. When he looked up, he saw Emmanuel lighting a cigarette and holding out his hand. The man set the agreed-upon amount of gold in his palm. Is there anyone in the city who doesn't just want to rob me? Emmanuel took a long drag of a cigarette and said, Welcome to Tipport, before walking out. After that is Nazima Alta, a rat folk fighter who at the moment is the centerpiece of a heist occurring at a gala held in the Bronian Keep. The distraction that had been set for her gave her the chance to easily slip past the guards and make her way deep into the keep, to the parts most people forget about. As she continued along, a couple sets of footsteps echoed down the dark, long hall. Panicked, she glanced around looking for a spot to hide. Nothing. So she went for the only place she thought they might not look. Up. As they walked beneath her, she used every muscle in her body to stay pressed against the walls and not let her tail swing down. One of the figures said to the other, I don't know why they still keep them down there. 
Wasting my damn time. Better off dead if you ask me. Their voices began to trail off, and as she lowered herself down, she knew she was close. Next, we have Virgil Bowerstone, who last we left was face to face with an abolith paralyzed for some unknown reason. He looked at his companions who just before had been on the attack, but now were shielding themselves from stray tentacles and clouds of mucus. They had been winning, but now they were barely holding on. A voice in the back of his head whispered, Attack them. Kill the defilers. Without being able to control it, he stood and took a step towards the bard. The bard gave a single look at Virgil, knowing what was about to happen. Virgil took another step toward him, every ounce of his mind pushing against what his body was doing, but to no avail. He lifted his mace, and then a different voice drifted in. A warmer one, a kinder one, the voice of his goddess. All she said was, be free. He swung his mace, and it caught the tentacle that was about to strike the bard. He looked to the abolith. Finally, he was ready. Following that, we have Tozier the Jagged, who has been traveling with a boy named Rylan he found in the wreckage of a ship. As they journeyed along the coast, Rylan started to open up more and more, often asking questions that Tozier typically gave one-word answers to. Where did all the scrapes on your shell come from? Battle. Where did you get your hammer? Home. Why are you here? Arthea. The few questions Tozier asked back were met with long answers that looped and were near impossible to follow, but as much as he hated to admit it, having someone to travel with brought him comfort. The two continued along on their way to Valia, unsure of what the city would bring. Next is Pumpkin, a forest gnome running a detective agency in Belen, who last we left off had been approached by a woman claiming her husband may be the Clearwater Killer. Pumpkin leaned forward in her chair, excitedly. Finally, a case and a big one at that, the Clearwater Killer. The rumors about them started when folks began disappearing while traveling through Clearwater Pass. At first, people wrote it off as bandits, but after a thorough clearing of the woods by the city's guard, no bandits were found. And then the bodies started showing up. Each victim was found with an oak leaf sewn onto their clothing with a single letter written on it. Some of the letters were the same, some were different. No one had figured out what they meant, but Pumpkin would. So, Who's your husband? The woman leaned forward. Captain Braggart of the Lord's Guard. Pumpkin felt as though she had been deflated. This would be harder than she thought. Lastly, we have Hatton the Half-Elf, who after joining up with a paladin named Kalia, saw flames in the distance and heard the familiar screech of a dragon. After a fair bit of discussion, they came up with a plan, or at least the start of a plan, one that involved Hatton doing a bit of reconnaissance. He took a quick survey of the wind and approached from the opposite direction it was coming from, in the hopes of masking his scent from the beast. He slipped from tree to tree and bush to bush, and the flames grew brighter and the screeches louder. And then he he was finally close enough to see it. A wormling, a wormling, no bigger than 10 feet, wings not even strong enough to fully fly with. As far as dragons go, a minor threat. But certainly, the caravan it was attacking felt like it was the biggest threat in the world. Hatton didn't have time to go back for Kalia. He had to act fast. Along with the heroes of Cortia, I'd also like to thank the citizens of Allhearth, who are currently voting on how to deal with a group of adventurers who burnt down the better part of the countryside. The attendants expected at the next meeting are Adustus, Bladed SK, Cal Snidely, Elliot Horton, Ethan Hill, Faduge, Gleb Borjewski, Grizzly Mellon, Jack Weird, Joachim Dahlquist, Kyle Courtney, Ming, Nursebone, Phil Emarg, Preston Metters, Rami Kabi, Ruka, Savara, Seth Rollman, and Softstar. May you make the best choice to protect the city. Anyway, I hope you have a great day and or night, and I'll see you in the next one.